Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you Father, we just want to thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. We ask, Lord, that you will breathe upon this session so that your word comes alive, Heavenly Father, so that it changes and transforms and galvanizes and illuminates our paths and does all those things and more, Heavenly Father, to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, and together we say, Amen and amen. Well, I'm starting a, 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 a series um, uh, for a number of weeks, and it has an overarching uh, title or theme. Um, and the title or the theme, the overarching title or, or theme, is the power of communications. The power of communications. Now, I'm sure you agree that healthy relationships are built on good communications. When there's good talking and listening and acting on what has been communicated, you have a healthy relationship. The stronger the communication lines, the stronger the relationship is. And that is a truth that applies to any relationship. When you look at the marriage relationship, you admire the marriage, that, that particular marriage. The marriage seems rich. It seems like both people are fulfilled and enjoying that relationship. At the bottom, as a bedrock of what you see, is that there is a healthy communication system that undergirds that marriage that you, that you admire. But it's not just in marriage. In a friendship, when people say, oh, we're soulmates, we get on, we like hanging out with each other, it's because communications between both of them is healthy. It's because the, the talking and the listening the understanding and doing between both of them is healthy. It would apply to the relationship between parents and children. When children just suddenly go off course, when you drill down, there's been a breakdown in communications. And frankly, it would apply to any relationship. And of course, it would apply to our relationship with God. Because our relationship with God is great when communications between us and God is great. So it follows that if you want to kill or destroy a relationship, you just simply have to cause a breakdown in communications. When we're not talking, we're not listening, we're hardening our hearts, we're rebellious against what the other person is saying, 
then it's inevitable that that relationship is going to break down. And God created us for a relationship with him. There are many things that we were created for, but at the bottom, foundationally, God created us for, for a relationship with him. I can actually imagine how his mind worked. He had this perfect relationship with a, with a son, Jesus Christ. Another perfect relationship with the Holy Spirit. It was the Trinity in the beauty of, 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 a, of, a, of a perfect relationship. And so, understandably, he thought, why don't I have more of these relationships? Why don't I create other sons and daughters and enjoy the fellowship, the intimacy, the relationship that I can have with them? And that was at the back of his mind, obviously, when you read Genesis, the first chapter, verses 26 to 28. Let's make man in our image. Let's make him according to our likeness. And what does that signify? Let's make man like us. Let him desire this relationship. Let him have the capacity to have this relationship with us. Let him have the free will to exercise so that he can have this relationship with us. Let's make man like us in our image so that what we enjoy as the three of us, they, they, we can enjoy with billions of them, they can enjoy with each other, and they can enjoy with us. And the Bible says that's exactly what he did. He made man, the Bible says, in his image and in his likeness. And the Bible says male and female, he made them. No confusion, very clear. Male and female, he made them. And then he blessed them, empowered them, and then gave them work to do. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Basically, take responsibility for where I have put you. Thrive in it. Enjoy it. Steward it. And because communications were great, his instructions were understood, communicated clearly. His instructions were received, acted upon. And as long as that was the case, things were fantastic. He says in Genesis 2 verses 16 and 17, as he continues giving instructions, he says, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, eat of it, you shall surely die. The instruction was received. The communication was clear. Man and woman, man and woman acted upon it. Things were amazing. The communication was deep. It wasn't superficial. It was deep. So much so that there were times when God didn't even have to communicate with words for man to get what God wanted. Man was made in his image and his, in his likeness. There was a wonderful synergy. They were synchronized, man and God, in, some, in, in, in perfect harmony. 
And you know that happens in good marriages or in even good relationships. You don't need sometimes to speak for the other person to know. Have you, have you, seen, those, have you seen relationships like that? Where you're sitting with a couple and she looks up and her eyes move ever so slightly and he gets up and he's going and you're thinking, what, what's, what's going on here? Where are you going? He says, oh, she wants something from the bed. How do you know she wants something from the bedroom? She told me. But we're sitting here. How did she tell you? She conveyed it. When communications are deep. When you see great friends, they know. Sometimes they don't have to speak in words because the communications, the, the relationship is so deep, the fellowship is so strong that they are communicating. And I suspect that's what happened when God gave Adam work to do. He said to him, Genesis the second chapter 19 and 20, Adam, why don't you name all these animals? And so Adam set about the task. Now, of course, God, God wasn't going to let anything go wrong with his creation. So it had to be what God wanted that the animals were called. But there was such a beautiful relationship between God and his creation that whatever he called the animal, it was exactly what God wanted. The depth of their relationship allowed that depth of communications. And the picture of the perfection that existed is brought home by the scripture in Genesis, the third chapter and the eighth verse that paints a picture of how God would come in the cool of the evening to fellowship with his creation. It's a beautiful picture of, of the creator of the ends of the earth coming to literally hang out with Adam and Eve, to fellowship, to, I'm sure, laugh and, and, and talk and, and just enjoy the fruit of a good relationship. It paints a picture of something that he did habitually because he came this time, even though something had gone wrong, as he had always come to talk with them, to fellowship with them on the strength of a relationship. But this time, something had gone horribly wrong. A single moment had shattered this ideal. The Bible records it for us in Genesis, the third chapter, verses 1 to 6. And we understand the background to what took place. There was this beautiful cherub, an archangel, that was created specifically for worship. So much so that the Bible describes in graphic details how the most ornate and the most beautiful instruments were woven into his person. I sometimes wonder what, what that archangel was like in those days. Because of how he was made, every sound that came out of him must have been a beautiful sound of worship. A lovely sound of praise. That's how he was wired. But one day, he allowed sin into his heart. He thought in his heart, why can't I be like God? Why must he be the one who rules and reigns? Why can't I elevate myself to his level? It's instructive that he didn't voice his thoughts. He thought it in his heart. 
And in his heart, because God is God, God saw the state of his heart. And when God saw the state of his heart, in a picture of holiness, that kind of heart, rebellious heart, couldn't dwell so close to God anymore. God gave instructions. God didn't do it himself. God gave instructions, and that's instructive, because God and Satan are not opposites and equals. There's God and God alone, and they are created beings of whom Satan is one. So God gave instructions to his contemporary, the archangel Michael. The Bible records for us that there was a war in heaven because this Satan, to show you how convincing he can be, and don't we see the results in the world today, had convinced one-third of the angels to join him in his act of rebellion, to desire the same thing he desired. And so the instruction was given to, to the archangel Michael, his contemporary, we understand that there are three archangels. There's Gabriel, who brings the messages. There's Michael, who oversees the war machine of heaven. And there was Satan, who was assigned to the worship. So he instructs Michael to throw Satan out of heaven with one-third of the angels who were in rebellion. When they are thrown out of heaven, if heaven is up somewhere, how many know that they came down somewhere? And then when God creates Eden and God puts this, his creation in Eden, it drives the anger, the rage in Satan to new levels. He wants to get back at God, but he can't. Because God is God. No one can touch him. But he hatches a plot. He's, he knows how much God loves this is creation. Incidentally, the way God feels about you and I, the angels don't understand it. They can't understand the dimension of love that God has for you and I. There's no, no love like it. So he knows that, that God loves this, his creation. So he decides that I can get back at God if I can destroy this relationship that God has with this, his creation that he loves in this manner. And so he enters the body of a serpent. And the story continues from there. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. You know, that's where problems start where God says, and we think we can make what God said better. God said to them, don't eat it. The woman thought, well, he didn't say don't, don't, don't touch it, but then it makes more sense to say don't touch it. So she adds, don't eat it and don't touch it. Can we leave what God said to what God said? Can we not bring a fantastic intellect and try and make the Bible better than God's, God, God made it? 
Then the serpent said to the woman, you, you, will, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. It starts, it starts this foundation of lies. I'm sure you know her response should have been that, but we are already like God. We are made in his image and his likeness. Knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Now, when she did that, the order still remained. Because there was one more recourse. Even though she had eaten, in the spiritual sense, she still had the covering of her husband. He wasn't her boss, but in the spiritual hierarchy, he was a covering for her. And so even though she had eaten, things didn't collapse because there was still one more defense. Things would collapse if that defense fell. And that's why I say to guys, if you understood the onerous responsibility of marriage, you wouldn't treat it carelessly. If you understood the onerous responsibility of being a male man, you would probably pay more attention to what is needed to be an effective one. The truth, guys, is that if anything goes wrong in your marriage, you are going to be held accountable first. And you can imagine that if Adam had said to her, no, 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 you shouldn't have done that. That's not what God said. Let's go to God and let's appeal to him to forgive our actions. How many know we won't be in this mess? But when he presented it to Adam, when she presented it to Adam, it was also desirable to Adam. It was also pleasant to him. He also fell for the same old trick of Satan. And he ate the fruit. She ate it. And he ate it. And the moment that was done, the communication line had been breached. It had been infiltrated. It had been corrupted. It had been destroyed. Up till that point, it was primarily, it was God's voice that they heard, they obeyed, that directed them. But now they had allowed in another voice and other voices. Those voices had corrupted that space of communications. The words were no longer wholesome. The language of heaven, the language of God was no longer the only language. A language that brought in lies and used words that were manipulative and angry and hurtful. Words that wounded, words that slandered. Words that were disrespectful. Words that challenged God's authority had been introduced. The enemy had achieved, it would seem, what his ministry tells us is his aim. 
Jesus himself tells us in John 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Thank God it doesn't end there. But he had come now, and he had really killed, and he had stolen. He had destroyed. And so the communication line had been destroyed. The result of that is startling to see. You just have to read the pages that come after that, page after page after page. And you see what happens when the communication line with God is destroyed or corrupted or adulterated or infiltrated, whatever term you want to use. Startling results. The first thing was obvious. Because man couldn't talk to God anymore. Because man had confused voices speaking to man. Because man didn't hear God clearly anymore. We see how man starts to hide from God. God comes in Genesis, the third chapter and the eighth verse, as normal, as usual, to have a conversation. But something has gone wrong. Something has changed. Man and woman are not rushing into his presence to enjoy the fellowship, to benefit from the fruits of the relationship, to talk to him and listen to him, spend time with him. On the contrary now, they are running away from him and they are hiding from him. Does that remind you of what the world is like today? And when they have a problem as a result of their actions, they are not going to him for the solution. They are trying to see if they can fix the problem themselves and look at their pitiful attempts to fix the problem. They suddenly realize that they are naked. They are suddenly ashamed of their nakedness. I, wonder when, I wondered when I was reading that scripture, were they not naked before? I suspect they were. But you see, in a place of purity, to the, to the, to the pure, all things are pure. In a place of wholesomeness, their nakedness was not anything. There was purity. And in a sense, the purity must have clothed them in some sort of gab that allowed them to continue to fellowship with each other. And that nakedness was not an issue. But then when impurity was introduced, rebellion was introduced, sin was introduced, no longer was it pure because their hearts was, were no longer pure. And they suddenly realized their nakedness. And they thought to themselves, we have a solution. We'll cover ourselves. And so they get, the Bible tells us, figs. And they sew some sort of clothes out of these figs. Now, I'm sure you yourself, in your heart, you're already beginning to, to get the picture. The futility of us trying to solve it ourselves. For anyone knows that the way figs are, no matter how tightly you put them together, they are gaping holes. So here they are thinking they have covered themselves. But the people who are, who, if, if people could watch them, people can see through. So they have done a lousy job. Isn't that how human nature has become? Where we go for our own solutions. And we think we've solved the problem. But people who are observing, to them we've become an object of ridicule. They are amused at our efforts. Our efforts are futile. Our efforts fail because you can still see through the holes. It doesn't solve the problem. 
And it's even worse. Of all things to choose to clothe themselves, figs. You know that figs are really thorny, thorny flowers. And so as they clothe themselves, the thorns are piercing into their skin, eventually wounding them and causing them to bleed. Isn't that what happens when we go our way and try to solve problems ourselves without God? We end up hurting ourselves more. We eventually cause wounds in our hearts. We bleed, and if that bleeding is not stopped, some people bleed to death because we've tried with our own hands to solve a problem that only God can solve. And it gets worse. The breakdown in communication plays out itself. Between us as humans, communication breaks down. Because you see, if we are not communicating with God, we will end up fighting ourselves. And when we look at the world today, isn't that the picture? Every part of the world is descending into tribal warfare. In politics, there's tribal warfare. Everything that is discussed, there's tribal warfare. People retire into their own tribes. The age of compromise, the age of talking, the age of coming to an agreement is long since gone. It's, it's impossible to disagree in an agreeable way. And that's simply because we are no longer communicating with God as a world. And when we're not doing that, communications break down between us as humans. And we see the breakdown in communications, page after page after page, if you read, read, the, read the story. Anger comes in. From anger, murder comes in. Cain kills Abel. It gets worse. Drunkenness comes in. And from drunkenness, immorality comes in. Children are sleeping with their father. People are sleeping with each other without any recourse to the institution of marriage. It gets worse and worse. Hatred comes in. Hearts become hardened. And as the hearts become hardened, slander and gossip and hurting each other comes in. And as it gets worse, the human mind begins to devise more and more evil and wicked ways of hurting. People want to pull each other down want to destroy each other. People can't enjoy what is happening for another person that is good because this, this, this lack of communications with God has opened up a, 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 a tidal wave of evil. It gets so bad that God himself looks down at what his creation has become. He looks back at what Eden was supposed to be. And this is God's verdict. Genesis, the sixth chapter, verses five to seven. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry. Sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, came to a conclusion. I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Both man and beast. Creeping thin and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. Do you know how bad things got? 
God had all these plans for fellowship, relationship, for intimacy. But things had got so bad because man was no longer communicating with him. And once man wasn't communicating with him, man just totally broke down. Man turned against man. Woman turned against woman. Man turned against woman. And when God looked at it, the, 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 the wickedness in the heart of man, God said every thought of his is towards wickedness. And God said, I think I'm going to end this chapter. What was God saying? It was over. The case is closed. He accepted momentarily the end of his plans for humanity. End of the story. But verse 8. Is encouragement. But. How many know that that word but. Means that what came before. Is not going to happen. Something has been introduced. That is going to change things. But Noah. Found grace. In the eyes of the Lord. As God was thinking. I, I need to destroy this thing. He searched the earth. Wickedness, 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 evil, evil, evil. People backbiting, slander. People speaking in a strange language from the pits of hell. A language that wounded and cut. A language that destroyed and pulled down. Parents doing that to children. Children doing that to parents. Par children disrespectful to parents. Parents antagonizing and provoking children. Husband and wife cutting each other down. Words that were, were missiles were being launched. Anger. Words spoken in anger. Words spoken in hatred. The whole place was a mess. But as his eyes roamed the earth, he found an oasis of sanity. It was in the heart primarily and the space of a man called Noah. He refused to be corrupted by the language of the time. He refused to speak the words of the time. He must have seemed awed because this was normal around him. But he refused to allow his communication line with God to be destroyed. He held on to it. And when God looked and God found this oasis of sanity, this oasis where his language was still the primary language being spoken. A language that was wholesome, that was kind, that built up, that encouraged. When he found a man who refused to bow to the prevailing culture, but chose, even if he was alone, to cling on to the culture of the kingdom of heaven. When he found a space in which he could continue his original desire for relationship and fellowship, he relented on wiping out the entire human race and preserved that man and that man's family because of that man. And that's why you and I have a chance today because there was a man called Noah who was determined that my communication line with heaven 
I must protect at all costs. I'm sure you know that the number one strategy of warfare is that you destroy the enemy's communication lines. If they can't talk to each other, they are finished. If they can't talk to their base, they are isolated. And when you do that, confusion is what follows. That's why we have to guard and protect our communications with God. Because without it, we are lost. Can someone say amen? And so, Father, we just thank you and bless you. That we might be the Noahs of our generation. Protecting our communications with you. Finding grace in your eyes. Favor. Because we have chosen not to submit to the culture and the language of the times. But have chosen to hold on to the language of heaven. And to speak the words of heaven. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. If there's anyone who is here and you haven't taken the first step to join this kingdom. You, you haven't given your life to Jesus. You're online. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'd love to pray with you and along and, and pray for you and with you. There's a knocking on the door of your heart. It's, it's knocking. There's a knocking. The question is whether you will open the door of your heart. If you choose to, he, he gives you a, a promise. I will come in, he says, and sup with you, which is really fellowship with you. You start building that relationship. And if there's someone who's in here who says, I want to build that relationship, really. I want to start. I want to get to know him. I want to join his family, his kingdom. You're online or you're in here. If you're in here, will you slip your hand up so that I know I'm praying with you? If you're in here in person, slip your hand up. Anybody saying, I want to start? I see that hand. I want to give my life to Jesus. Anybody? I see that hand way at the back. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Go and slip the hand up. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. Go and slip the hand up. Father, we thank you. Anybody else? Wherever you are. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Those of you online, can you slip it into the chat? You want to start this relationship? Go on, if you have that hand up, keep it up. Um, I'm going to ask a member of our ministry team to come to you where you are. And then if you, would, if you wouldn't mind going with them into one of our ministry rooms, you'll be back. Keep the hand up. Keep the hand up. I'm not, I'm not going to call you out today. Keep the hand up. Anybody else? I need members of our ministry teams to, to do this for me, please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to make a second call. Anybody else in here? If you're online, uh, uh, respond to our hosts as they pray with you and lead you to start this journey. I want to make a second call here. This call is for people who have fractured relationships that they know are affecting their walk with God. The relationship is, is fractured. The communication lines have been broken. Oftentimes, these things carry with them pain, the wound of knowing that this should be a relationship that feeds one, that nourishes one, but it, ha it, it just hasn't. It's been fractured. The communication line has been destroyed. 
you're in person here or you're online. Might be with a father, with a mother, with a sibling, uh, with a friend. And it, it, it breeds negative emotions, rejection, uh, pain, insecurities. It just has all kinds of things. Anger a lot of the time. If you're in person and that's you, you know, I really believe in, in an anointing of God that can change circumstances in the twinkling of an eye. I believe that. And so I want to join my faith with yours to pray that the Spirit of God will come upon you. We start this series and this is the start of your healing in that fractured relationship. If you're in person and you're that person, come forward. I want to, I want to pray with you with the pastors. Come forward. We're going to join hands, join faith our faith with you, yours. I believe that, that God can heal that relationship. Go on, come forward. Don't be embarrassed about it. Come forward. Come, come, come. God bless you as you come. That, this is what family does. And if you're online, you want to put it into the chat so that the host will respond and I join them in responding. Come forward. Come. Come. You know, you know, you know, you know what it is. You know, I don't have to encourage you or coax you or anything. Come. 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 We'll wait for you. Come. 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 That relationship has caused you to limp as you have tried to run the race of life. It's weighed you down. It's burdened you. Um, it's caused you some degree of pain, a wound in your heart. Come, come. We're going to trust God. As the pastors come, they're going to pray with you. And we're going to trust God for the Spirit of God to move uh, in this place and touch your heart. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. And if you, want, if you want to talk with them, you're welcome to. You don't have to. Um, if you want to tell them something. But they will probably have a word from, from God for you. Um, they, they probably will. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we bless you. Lord, we Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, we are trusting your spirit to move in If you're to be prayed for, just step forward so that we know. Step forward so that one of the pastors, I need a pastor. Thank you. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Oh, we bless you. Come, Heavenly Father. Come. Come, oh God, Father. Come by your Spirit. The healing Spirit of God. Come and do a work in our hearts. Only you can do it, Heavenly Father. We thank you. We bless you. I surrender
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we bless you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we bless you. We bless you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. That's what we ask, oh God. Jesus, touch me with your hand. Jesus, touch me with your hand. Jesus, touch me with your hand. Whether you're being prayed for or you're sitting, you're online, that surely must be our prayer that the Lord touches us. It's not just a religious observation that we've come for. We've come to be touched by the living God, by the Spirit of God. Go on. Touch me with your hand. whatever area there's a need that we will be, we will have an encounter a touch please don't let me please don't let me go the same way I came touch me with your hand oh please don't let me please don't time. Please don't let me. Please don't let me. The same way I came. Touch me with your hands. Father, we, we pray. That it will not just be one touch, but that every time we come into your presence, we will live with our lives having been touched by you. May that be our testimony this year, O oh God. And Lord, may what you say to us encourage us into a deeper relationship with you. You've invited us to dine with you, O God. And as we lay the blocks that prepare us to sit comfortably at your table, give us revelation and understanding and the grace to do, Heavenly Father. 
in Jesus' name. And those in-house, those online, all over the world, we say a big Amen.